my favorite definition of habits is that habits eliminate decision making, right? So when something is already a habit, we no longer have to decide. We just do it, right? So that's why it's so important. Why is this important? Because it lessens cognitive load. Welcome to Season 2 of the Podcast Show with Kaivil Nueva, where podcast growth and monetization continues. Brought to you by Podkai Media, a podcast production and marketing agency that helps functional medicine businesses increase their leads and sales. Visit their website at podkai.com. Hello guys, welcome back to the podcast show and in this episode, I always say that I'm excited because it's true with every guest that I bring here in the show. It makes me feel excited because these are the people that are close to my heart and are helping me reach my goals. And my guest for today is actually one of my coaches and he is a certified master life coach and business success coach who helps purpose-driven leaders and entrepreneurs boost their productivity and profits through mindset coaching so they can have the impact and income and of course freedom that they want and he also has a podcast named mental arsenal podcast which is dedicated to helping people create an extraordinary life and business from the inside out Fun fact about him is when he's not writing, when he's not coaching or speaking, he spends time reading on fiction books, binge watching comedy shows or running and biking outdoors. Before I finally let him talk, guys, I just want to let you know how helpful he is to me because as I've mentioned, he's my coach and with the habits that I've been trying to build from the very beginning, <laughs> he was able to help me build those and we're going to share that with you later but yeah he's really great he's very effective welcome to the show coach chris asibu hello coach hi kai thank you so much for having me yeah and thanks for that awesome intro <laughs> <laughs> yeah of course and thank you for saying yes to my invitation coach <laughs> i really appreciate it absolutely okay and can you please if you want to say anything else to our listeners here yeah, I guess I'm just very excited to talk about what we're going to be talking about today. I think we're going to be talking about habits. We're going to be talking about chatter, inner dialogue, self-talk, and a bunch of the stuff that we did in our work together. So I'm excited to share you know, those things. Yes. And because of that, we are going to dive right in to my first question, because I think this is really important regarding building habits. And I want to, again, reiterate and give big emphasis on how it really helped me boost my daily activities. I mean, being able to focus on the most important things in my business and also being able to focus on myself, being more productive in all of those. And yeah, the question that I have for you is, what do you think is the importance of building habits and reaching your own definition of success? Yeah, that's a great question. And I really love how you phrased that, the importance of building habits in reaching your own definition of success. So defining success, your own definition is so important because that will dictate what habits you build. In a way, the habits that we want to create, they require clarity. So that's very powerful to really take a step back and ask yourself, what do I really want? And this is sort of like easier said than done because there is some unlearning that needs to happen when we ask that question, what's your definition of success? Because for a lot of people, they tend to answer that with the filter of 
their parents' expectations, societal expectations, the expectations of the educational system, you know, their school, the expectation of their peers and their colleagues, and the expectation of whatever religious affiliation that they're in. And that kind of like creates this opacity and affects the clarity that they're seeking to have. So when we're asking ourselves, what's my definition of success? We need to get really clear on what's our own. So we answer that releasing those preconceived notions of what success looks like. So it's very important. So once we're clear on that definition, which is very personal, it's very our own, we really make it our own. That's when we can start thinking about building the habits to help us turn those goals, that version of success into reality, because it will require certain behaviors in order to actualize that success that we want for ourselves. So then we get clear on the habits. So answering your question on importance, it's really important to have habits. And I think 2023, people have already been so familiar with the idea of building good habits, stopping good habits and what habits to develop. But you know, in coaching, I'm really big on definitions. And I want to first at least operationally define what habit means. I think a lot of people have this notion of habits being like automatic behavior. Now, when it comes to making progress on our goals and actualizing the success that we want, I think there's a tendency to kind of like automate behaviors. Now, the goal here is not to turn ourselves into automatons, into robots, where we're just like, okay, we're running a script, right? Because that's what people think habit building is. But my favorite definition of habits is that habits eliminate decision making, right? So when something is already a habit, we no longer have to decide, we just do it, right? So that's why it's so important. Why is this important? Because it lessens cognitive load. You know, it takes a lot of brain power when we have to think about, do I exercise today or do I not exercise today? Do I write today or do I not write today? Or, you know, do I do the client outreach or not? Do I record the episode or not? Do I write the content, whatever? There's a lot of decision making. And every time we do this back and forth between our higher level brain and our lower level brain, it takes up a lot of energy. That's why it's it gets very taxing. And that's why habits create this energy efficiency, because when we know longer have to decide. We just do it whether we like it or not out of habit. We're more energy efficient. We free up more energy to do other things and we can take on more and be more productive. So that's why habits are really important. Okay. I really love how you're able to explain that it eliminates decision making because I've heard this from Giselle. She mentioned that for a business owner being a decision maker, it takes a lot of energy, right? It can be exhausting. And I love how you explain that it helps you eliminate those taxing activities, which is the decision making, because it really eats up a lot of energy just thinking if I'm going to do this today or just tomorrow. So yeah, I think that this really going to help a lot of people understand why they have to build habits. But a follow up question that I want to ask you as well is regarding defining your own definition of success. I know that it's a rabbit hole, but can you give like a quick advice on how can someone find their own definition of success? Yes, I love that question. It's a great follow-up. So all our lives, whether in our 20s or 30s, that's 20 to 30 years of programming and indoctrination of believing what this picture of success, well, external success looks like. You know, having a big house, having this new car, 
you know, being married, having kids, whatever, whatever that can mean based on the context that you're in. So that's two to three years or more of programming. So it takes a little bit of time to unlearn that programming, right? Of course, it can happen in an instant. But the point I'm making is we need to be able to be patient with yourself during this unlearning process. So when you start thinking about success on your own terms, it's so easy to counter it with those pre-programmed notions and conceptions. And so you don't actually get that clarity because that old way of thinking gets in the way. So there is a process of unlearning that needs to happen. And one of the best ways to do this is to really reflect and introspect. And the best way to do that is outside coaching or therapy is to start journaling, put things onto paper, like write things down. You know, what do I really want? If I'm really honest with myself, if no one judged me for what I want, if anything were possible, if money was not an issue, if I had a clean slate, if I had no responsibilities right now, like literally blank canvas, what what do I want? And really allow yourself, give your mind time to marinate with the question and allow whatever comes up to come up. Also know that journaling is your safe space. No one's going to see your writing. No one has to see your writing. So you can be brutally honest on paper. I think that's one of the things that people struggle with when it comes to defining success and goal setting is that it requires brutal honesty. Clarity requires brutal honesty. Unless you're brutally honest with yourself, with what you want and what you don't want, you're always going to be struggling with that definition. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, we are still on our first question, but I have a lot of follow-up questions because there are some keywords that's really triggering me, like for example, journaling and, and learning. But going back to journaling, I guess one of my struggles also in journaling is my fear of you know people being able to see it. That's why even if I write, there's this resistance that I don't want to write at all. So if that's the case, what kind of advice can you give? Well, first of all, you have to be questioning that belief. Like, is that absolutely true? And if so, or if not, are there things that you can do in order to prevent that from happening, like keeping your journal safe or et cetera? Or that can mean using a digital journal that you can lock with a passcode, you know, if that helps you feel more secure. Yeah, I think that's one of the quick ways to kind of like override that. We just have to make sure that those fears aren't actually excuses from actually doing that thing, which is journaling. And if you want, there are popular books and journals these days. I think there's one that's called like burn this after you finish or whatever. You can burn your journal if you want <laughs> after you complete the journal or write a letter to yourself, write a letter to your inner child or to your aggressor in the past, anyone you've had grievances with, you know, you can write the letter, you can burn it and you know, it will cease to exist. So it'll just be between you and your God or the God of your understanding. So no one really has to see it. All right, that's really helpful. And that's comforting to know that we can burn it. And another follow-up question is with regards to unlearning, because whenever we are in the phase of like healing and also being able to improve our mindset, we are also in the unlearning stage. And I always say it's the one of the hardest part of learning or improving, right? So can you give us an idea on how we can navigate through that, the unlearning part? So usually we say unlearning, we're usually referring to beliefs and values that we hold very dear, that we're sort of like attached to. And those values and beliefs, we tend to create an identification around. We tend to sort of like have this weird notion that that's who we are. These beliefs make us who we are. And so that if 
if we change those beliefs, if we believe the opposite, or if we stop believing that, we cease to exist. That's just how the ego mind likes to think, that if we release certain beliefs, that it ceases to exist. It sees that as a threat to its existence, right? So around unlearning, one of the best places to start is really around beliefs. And we can compartmentalize beliefs into our life areas, right? What are our beliefs around health and wellness? What are our beliefs around relationships? What are our beliefs around money? What are our beliefs around business and career and professional life? And what are our beliefs around things and experiences and leisure and fun? So really taking a moment. And I like you said, like, yeah, this is hard. This requires work and time. So really take your time with this. If you can work on one area, you know, a day or at a time, whatever timing feels right, just go with the flow. But yeah, so that's one way to start. Like, what are your beliefs around nothing about this? So you can start writing it down. And, you know, one of the ways to unlearn is to start questioning those beliefs. We try to question the validity of those beliefs. More often than not, a belief forms when we generalize out of a past experience, right? We have one isolated experience and something happened and then we just turn that into a belief, right? We sing and someone says, your voice sucks, just that one incident. And then now we believe, okay, my voice sucks and we stop singing all our lives from that one instance, right? Or only evil people have money or wealth. It's just, if you're wealthy, then you're being unspiritual. So we need to be able to question those beliefs and dismantle those beliefs. One of the best ways to do that is again, questioning and looking for alternatives. And that can just mean asking like, okay, what if the opposite were true? Or what if this is not absolutely true? In some instances, it may be true. But the thing is, when it's a belief, we believe it to be absolutely true. And that makes no room for consideration of other options, right? So that's one of the best places to start when it comes to unlearning. And again, the journaling, we circle back to journaling. That's how you put all those things on paper, all the sometimes unproductive, the obsolete beliefs that no longer serve us. That's one of the best ways to put it on paper so we can start working on it. When we externalize it, when we can see it outside our minds, it's more workable that way. Instead of just letting everything live in your head, it's more manageable when it's on paper. So I was able to take down notes. So it's compartmentalize, take your time, question your beliefs, look for alternatives, and of course, journaling. Let's jump to the second question. All right, this is regarding the habits that I built, all right? Because for me, before I was able to work with you, I thought of these things as difficult to start. But I was able to do them. I was able to build habits. So my question is, what do you think made it happen? Yeah, first of all, I'm so proud of you for putting in the work and for cementing these habits in your life that definitely deserves celebration, which is something I'll talk about shortly in response to your question. There were definitely key principles that I shared with you that really helped you make those habits stick. So first, you have to want to do the habits in the first place, right? So there needs to be an underlying desire. So without desire, there's only an interest in personal change, but there's no commitment to change. So we got really clear on what behaviors you wanted to be working on, right? So that's one thing. The second thing is that we leverage the power of anchor habits. So an anchor is just a behavior that you already do reliably in your life right now. So an example is 
waking up, getting up from bed, or like your feet hitting the floor when you get up from bed, sitting on your desk, sitting at kitchen table, the dining table, taking a piss or taking a (laughs) doo-doo. Things we already do reliably every day. So those are very reliable anchors when it comes to starting habits. And if you remember correctly, we really maximized your workspace as a trigger, right? I think one of the triggers we created was that after you sit down or it was it after you open your laptop, you take deep breaths for a minute or you meditate for a minute, right? Which is the next thing, right? I said a minute. That's the next thing. We really lowered our standards. So this is you know, habits, especially starting new habits, that's the one area in our lives where we really need to lower our standards. We need to go really big and, you know, be visionary with our goals and vision. But when it comes to habits and taking small steps, we need to really lower our standards. I think this is the area that a lot of people struggle with. It's like when they want to start, let's say an exercise routine, they want to go big or go home and they have that kind of attitude and the motivation eventually wanes and they stop following through. So when it comes to starting a new habit, what's key is repetition, not intensity, right? So if you can repeat a behavior often enough, you give your brain enough time to create this new neural pathways to rewire certain, to rearrange your brain so that the behavior feels more natural the more you do it. And once it's already easy, once you've eliminated that resistance, that inertia, then you can start raising the intensity. So that's something that we did as well, I think. So to our viewers and listeners, really the formula is just after I do an anchor habit, I will do this, start this new habit, right? So after I wake up, I open my eyes, I say a prayer. Or after I open my eyes, I'll say, today is going to be a great day. (laughs) Or after I open my eyes, I'm going to meditate in bed for five minutes. Or after my feet hit the floor, you know, I'm going to do 10 squats, you know, just to wake up my body, things like that. So like with Kai, right? So after I sit down or after I open my laptop, I do a meditation or do these breaths. And then once that new habit becomes habitual, once it's cemented, you can stack other habits on top of those habits. That's something that we call habit stacking, right? So then you can do that, you know, to as many new behaviors as you want. So I think those are the main principles that I remember when we worked together that we utilized. Yeah. And with regards to anchor habits, I find it funny because when I was able to gradually build my habits, I was like, oh, it can be that easy. I just need that anchor habit. Because like you mentioned a while ago, these are the things that we are already doing. In some cases, before I work with you, they are always saying that you just have to start meditating. But the question is how? The how is kind of difficult for me. That's why when you made me do that, like for example, before or after you sit down, you have to meditate first. And you know, if you're going to think of it, it's just very simple. But why wasn't I able to think of that before? So I found it quite funny for me because I did not realize that it can be that easy before. Luckily, I have you as my coach. (laughs) That's why I was able to start that. Because for me, those are the things that were difficult for me to begin with or to start with, like meditating and reading books. So yeah, I got really interested when you mentioned anchor habits. Yeah. Yeah, that's just putting a name to the idea. And yeah, I remember when it comes to like lowering standards, right? Like when it comes to reading books, it was like, if if it's too hard to read a chapter a day, like read a page a day. If that's too hard, like read a paragraph. If that's too hard, like read the first sentence. If that's too hard, read the first word. And, you know, that sounds silly, but 
what you're developing is not necessarily the habit, especially in the beginning, right? It's not necessarily the habit of reading. It's the habit of showing up on the book. And what you'll find is that when you read that first word, you'll just read the next word and you'll end up with the sentence and the paragraph and the page and the whole section or chapter, you know? So that's the thing that people really struggle with is getting started. And I think we talked about that too, when it comes to new behaviors, it's like a lot of people tend to look at the behavior as a whole. And one really effective strategy is like, instead of thinking at the behavior as a whole, like break it down and look at the first step and just optimize for the first step. That's all because once you do that first step, like you'll have the momentum. Once you open that book and read that first word, you'll have the momentum. Once you meditate for the first three seconds, you'll have that momentum. Once you jog for that five steps, you'll have that momentum. And then the behavior just rolls over like a snowball. There's a snowball effect. I love the habit of showing up. And actually, this was also shared with me by Cels Alejandro. During the time that I was procrastinating in launching my podcast, she mentioned that just spend five minutes of your time creating content. And then I found myself creating multiple episodes that time. And with regards to reading book, that's really true because there are times that I find myself being lazy reading books. But since you mentioned just one sentence, one word can do. And then after a couple of minutes, I find myself scanning and going to the next page because the book got me because of its interesting content. That's why, yeah, it's really, really effective. And I suggest you try that, guys, too. Yeah, I was just going to say, so when you start doing the behavior, I think I mentioned earlier about celebrating, right? It's also really important to celebrate those new behaviors. Like literally, like, yes, I did that. That's very important because it actually physically changes your brain. And people struggle with these notion of like celebration or reward. It really can be as simple as affirming. Yes, I did it. Yes, I meditated. Yes, I read that chapter. So I really love that you shared that. Yeah. Okay. Celebration. Thank you for reminding me of this because I think this one of the things that I forget to do celebrating because there are times that we think that it's just small win why should we celebrate there is yeah. this kind of yes feeling. exactly exactly so circling back to unlearning right we learn in school that we have to be the best we have to be the first we have to be the best in all the classes in order to be worthy of celebration that's something that we also need to unlearn as well that a behavior has to be big and grand a giant step in order for it to be worthy of celebration That's why we struggle with celebration in adulthood, like celebrating small things. And when it comes to behavioral psychology, celebration, according to research, is what cements the new behavior, right? So that's why it's very powerful. It's often overlooked, but it's so powerful. Yeah. Thank you for reminding of that, Coach. And yeah, this is really a big thing for me, which I think is also connected to my next question with regards to understanding the voices inside of you. Because I think those are also the voices that tells you don't deserve it or it's just a small thing. Why should you celebrate it? Something like that. But during our session, one of our sessions, you made me understand the value of also knowing right what kind of inner chatters you have inside you and you were able to help me identify those two inner chatters that I have and it made me understand more about how I react 
and why I react that way. Because one of the reasons why I also decided to work with Coach Chris, guys, is because there are times that I don't really like how I react and I don't know how to understand why I am reacting that way. And I want to change those reactions because I think that I see my, sometimes I see myself like someone that I don't want myself to be. And because of that, yeah, Coach Chris was able to help me with that. So can you please walk us through understanding your inner chatters? Yeah, absolutely. And while we're at the theme of habits, usually when we think about habits, we think about like external behavior, exercising, journaling, writing, whatever. But then there's also also internal habits. And these are habits of thought. So all of us have this inner chatter. We have go-to lines, dialogues that goes on in our head that we are not enough, that we're not deserving, that we're not skilled enough, that we don't have enough experience, that we're too young, that we're too old, whatever it is, right? And a lot of these inner chatter usually is remnants, our remnants rather, from voices from authoritative figures in our childhood. So sometimes they come from Unfortunately, for many of us, from our parents or from our uh, family members. Sometimes it's from our teacher. Sometimes it's from that kid who was a bully. <laughs> and then they create this like collection of inner talk, internal dialogue that happens in our mind. Now, we have to acknowledge that everyone, all of us has inner chatter. And, you know, it's so silly how sometimes there's this notion of when someone's talking to themselves that they're sick or that there's something wrong with them psychologically, psychic disorder, psychological disorder, but then everyone actually does it. We just do it in the privacy of our own minds. So we always talk to ourselves. And, you know, the thing is, we barely stop and really deeply listen on that internal dialogue that inner chatter. So it's very important to get clear on what those lines are and who's saying what. Sometimes it's not our own voice. Sometimes it's someone else's voice. And then, you know, in NLP, in neuro-linguistic programming, that's when we can start working on playing with those voices, silencing those voices or whatever. I think if I remember correctly, what we did and what I did with you was a parts integration where we kind of like let your inner child communicate with your higher self, your future self, because this is something that really stops a lot of people, right? When you have two conflicts motivations, two conflicting goals and desires and voices in your head, you will always feel like, you know, you're being tugged in the middle. You can't move forward. You can't move back. You're just inching forward and then inching back because there's two opposing forces in your mind. Yeah. That's why they need to integrate. They need to reach a healthy compromise right? So it's not about villainizing that inner child or that whatever. It's about letting them have this conversation and having that healthy compromise. At the end of the day, if you really look at our own individual fears and our own neurotic thinking, a lot of that really just stems from a primal desire to keep us safe, mm. right? It just wants to keep us safe. So we can thank it for trying to keep us safe, but we can also let it know like, hey, you're trying to keep me safe is keeping me from making progress towards my goals, from achieving success, from actualizing my potential. I think that's very important. And this question also brings up the concept of affirmations and self-talk. I think a lot of people cringe at the idea of affirmations, but really that's just the words that you say to yourself. And that's the most important 
important conversation that you'll have in any given day. You know, the words that you say to yourself, we demand kindness from people around us and we try to be kind towards other people. But I think more often than not, we're not kind to ourselves. So I think it's one thing to really develop that self-compassion and self-love and self-understanding, really. I mean, there's so many things to talk about when it comes to inner chatter. You can also think about concepts of fear mind or fear thinking. And then you think about intuition with that deep knowing, which is accessible through deep meditation. Yeah, but that's the gist of it. But I love how you mentioned those things because especially with inner chatter and the higher self, because the way how Coach Chris made me do it is he allowed me to label those two inner chatters and that time I was able to identify that it's my inner child and my mature self and my inner child is just trying to protect me and I felt it there was this session that you made me close my eyes and then on my left hand was my inner child and on the other is my mature self he let me have the conversation between the two just inside my mind but then from that session I was able to identify why my inner child was acting that way and why my mature self is also acting that way which I think is really a great thing if you think of it in not in this kind of setting it's kind of weird <laughs> but it really yeah, yes. helps right? it really helps and since you mentioned about higher self I want to go quite deeper on this topic because you mentioned about higher self how is that connected to divine consciousness anything that is this really connected to being able to identify that divine consciousness within you? I know that's kind of shifted gear <laughs> regarding our topic, but I want to know how can you tap into your higher self? How is that possible that you have inner chatters while you have higher self? If you think of it, it's a lot to take, kind of overwhelming, given that we are not raised to know how to identify those things inside of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when it comes to when you use the term divine consciousness, well, there's many ways that we articulate this. Some people will say the universe or the universal mind, the cosmic mind, like you said, divine consciousness, the Christ mind, the Buddha mind, the Shekinah, infinite intelligence or the creative mind. So there's so many ways that we articulate this. I think this is very important because I think in the areas of uh, spirituality, I think it's the rates more because when we grow up at the moment of our birth, we are in touch with this essence. This is our true nature to love really. And when we are born, we are one with the universe. And then literally when we look at like a space, we see it as an extension of ourselves until we reach a certain age where we see ourselves as separate from the world around us. We see our hands in our body. And then as we continue to grow, we develop a sense of ego, a sense of self. And we develop notions about who we are or what we think we are. And as we even grow even more, we get this indoctrination and programming from the world around us. And we get into adulthood forgetting that essence that we were born with. And that's why, you know, we mentioned in the start of the show, like there's a process of unlearning, of going back to that essence, because that's who we truly are. So our ego mind is that really noisy chatter. It's that very fearful, primal voice that fears for its extinction and will say the weirdest things to keep you from actualizing your potential and for really letting your light shine. And then below that, I think 
in more pragmatic terms, we can refer to it as the subconscious mind or the unconscious mind or the intuition or the gut. So it lies below that. But here's the thing. The ego speaks first and the ego speaks loudest. And that's why it's so loud in our heads. We were like, I can't distinguish between intuition and egoic neurotic thinking. And that is why meditation is so powerful because it helps us quiet the mind. You know, a great reference to the divine consciousness or bliss consciousness or the intuitive mind is that small, still voice for God. And we can only access that through meditation and really listening deeply. There's a quote that says, prayer is speaking to God and meditation is listening to God. So I think the concept of consciousness, even just consciousness, is so important because that brings up the concept of awareness and then self-awareness and things like that. This is very important because this helps us address so much of like unnecessary suffering that we have in our lives, especially in relationships. If we can become more self-aware and realize that we are just the observer of whatever is happening around us, we are just the experiencer. And, you know, we don't have to be at the effect of what's happening around us. I think that's very powerful because we can come from a place of self-empowerment and knowing that we are not of this world. <laughs> really, enlightenment is just a graduation from body, physical identification to spirit identification or soul identification. And yeah, <laughs> that was like, a, I'm not sure if people can like that. <laughs> So it's a hard notion to explain. Oh, here's the thing. Consciousness is a hard concept to explain because it's not really something people get on an intellectual, conceptual level. It's something that people get on an experiential yeah. level, oh, right? I would have so, to agree. Yes. And you can get glimpses of that experience through meditation. So whether that's, you know, you do transcendental meditation, mindfulness meditation, any kind of meditation. Okay, so since you mentioned that we can access our higher self through meditation, because, you know, just building the habit of meditation is difficult for others, right? For many, actually. <laughs> and then being able to build it as your habit, your routine is difficult. Aside from that, it's also difficult to be able to tap to your higher self, in some cases, in having short meditations, right? So how can you guide or what is your advice to those people who want to experience their higher selves through meditation, even if they're just starting? And do you think that it's possible that we can tap to our higher self, even if we're just starting to practice meditation? Yes, absolutely. I think, you know, when it comes to accessing higher self, I know that's a weird term. It's like, that's just a version of ourselves in quantum physics that's vibrating at a higher frequency. When we think of it in those terms, in order to access that higher self, we just have to match the vibration of that higher self. And, you know, those vibrations are, of course, high vibrations of love and joy, kindness, compassion, openness. So if we can bring our place to those, and that's one access point to raising the vibrations through our emotions. So one thing that we can do that is through visualization, right? You know, if you can visualize the moments where we experienced love in our lives, true unconditional love in our lives, or where we gave love or received love, or moments where there was immense joy and happiness and bliss. If we can bring those in the altar of our minds, in the center of our minds, we can kind of like tune ourselves. We vibrate at that higher frequency. 
So I think it's always accessible. You know, when it comes to meditation, a lot of people will say like, I can't meditate because I have too many thoughts in my mind. And I'm like, that's exactly why you should meditate. <laughs> I was like um, that before. And you told that to me as well. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it is a discipline. You know, meditation is discipline. It's like when we go to the gym and, you know, we exercise our muscles. Meditation is also flexing our mental muscles. It's changing our attitudinal muscles. So I really encourage people to try this and to make this easy. Like again, meditate for that five seconds. I know that sounds really weird. Like who meditates for five seconds? But that five seconds grows into 10, 20, 30, becomes 10 minutes, 20 minutes. And people might argue like I have no time to meditate. But I think meditation is a time investment that you make up for in the clarity of thought that you'll have after meditation. So if you invest that 20 minutes, you actually save more time because you have more clarity, you're less reactive, you're more centered, you're more focused. Meditation is really great for focus as well, which is something that people in the digital space really struggle with, right? We are so distractible, like so many distractions and meditation really helps us reclaim that focus as well. Yes, okay. And I would have to agree on that. But we've been talking about higher self since a couple of minutes ago. But if I were to ask you, if a five-year-old would ask you, what is higher self? How would you define it to a five-year-old? Higher self. I think to make it more practical, I'll just say it's a future self. You know, your higher self is just that psychic version of you who already has gotten over your problems now, problems that you think you have now. So if I were to explain to a five-year-old, if I were to explain to a five-year-old, I'd let her visualize. Okay, imagine you see yourself there across the room or sitting next to you. That version of you is, let's say, 30 minutes ahead of this 3D timeline. Maybe that's not explaining it simply, but it's like, you know, just helping her kind of like conceptualize this. Yeah, visualize, you know, that physical self, you know, that's there in imagination and that they don't have the problems you have now. So you can access them. You can consult them. Like, mm -hmm. okay, how did I, how did I get over this problem? Like, what did I do differently? How did I think differently? Things like that. So I think that's one way. Again, it's experiential. So yeah, the way you describe it, it helped me. It made me more curious about being able to know my higher self. And I think it's not really tangible, but in that manner, if that's the case, then I'm able to talk to someone who knows more than me and who's knowledgeable more than me. And I think that's really interesting. And it's a good way to describe it. Okay, another question that I have for you is, since you are in this kind of industry, right? Because I want to encourage other coaches and other health and wellness experts be able to amplify their message of healing and also being able to help others improve their way of life. So how would you encourage those people who are still thinking about showing up and being able to create content or maybe amplifying their messages through digital space? Yeah, definitely. I think like if you have a message in you that you want to share, that you feel inspired and moved to share, I think you should do it. I think that the world needs a lot of healing right now. And I feel that the way we can get to utopia is that if we can share that message of healing really whatever modality that you're on whatever method that you have like you should share it the world needs to hear it and i feel like if you have that desire to help and you have something that can genuinely help someone improve their life or like heal whatever wounds or trauma that they have if you're not sharing it with 
the world and you're not doing everything you can to get that message out there, you're doing a disservice, you know, to the world. You're stealing from your audience. So I think this is important that we talk about this because this is something that a lot of creators have, whether that's coaches or solopreneurs and people on the internet, they shy away from putting their message out there. That's one of the things that we I had to deal with those insecurities too, you know, having that imposter syndrome, like feeling I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, not qualified enough. Like if we can just shift the spotlight so we're not focusing on ourselves and we focus on the people we want to serve, that will lessen the resistance and that will increase the motivation and the inspiration to do this. On a metaphysical level, like all minds are joined. There's no part of my mind where it ends and yours begins, right? So everything is interconnected. And so when I heal myself, I heal the world. And when you heal yourself, you heal the world. This is why healing is so important. And this is why everyone should do it. Like if you really feel moved, there is a moral responsibility to this line of work. Like of course, we have to know what we're doing. So get certified and get enough information. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to be like the absolute expert. But if you know enough to create a certain change or transformation in someone's life, definitely do it. I encourage you to do it. Amplify that message through podcasting, blog posting, a video, whatever you like. Okay. I love that you mentioned about interconnection. And also, if I heal, then I also can help other people heal. Because, yeah, that's true. Because if I improve myself, I also improve the way I react or my approach towards others. And I think that's really a very magical way, if not really magical, but very loving way of how we can also prove to other people that you really love them. And I really love how you said that, coach. Yeah, I mean, Mahatma Gandhi said it best, like, be the change you wish to see in the world. You know, the moment we change our mind about things is the moment that people around us start to change their minds. And if there are people who don't start changing, they just tend to like fade away. Yeah, right. Thank you for sharing that. And also the podcast show, actually one of the missions of the podcast show is to create content like this. It's to help entrepreneurs, freelancers, aside from the health and wellness experts, we're also aiming to educate solopreneurs, freelancers to understand how important it is that you also invest in your mind so you can reach, like I mentioned, your own definition of success. So what kind of advice do you have for these people who are trying to reach something but sometimes are not aware that they are also neglecting the most important part of or aspects of their lives which is you know healing and mindset yeah i think the 21st century thinking is more holistic thinking versus the 20th century thinking which is more like compartmentalizing different parts now we all understand that everything is interconnected our health is connected with our relationships and vice versa Our health is connected with our career and vice versa. Mm. Our health is connected with our money and vice versa as it connects with every other thing. It's all interconnected, right? So it's so easy to overlook these things. So it's very important to have that holistic view of life. And too often when you ask people, like, what are your goals? (laughs) Usually the goal is like financial goal or a career or business goal. They always tend to overlook the health and wellness aspect. So it's just as simple as looking at that area too. So when you're goal setting, 
And I can share a free guide, you know, at the end of the episode, setting goals, not just for health and wellness, but also for relationships and even breaking that down, like relationships with your parents, with your siblings, with your friends, with your children. And then for health, right? So there's physical health, emotional health, mental health, spiritual health, things like that. So looking at each part as a whole, like seeing that big picture, right? So nothing gets left out. Uh, so important. Yeah. And also, if, say, for example, they are already aware that they have to improve those aspects and they want to start, but they're kind of overwhelmed, what kind of advice do you have for them? Because that was me before. <laughs> so when it comes to overwhelm, like that just overwhelm just means many things at the same time. So you need to cut off the things that you shouldn't actually be focusing on and narrow your focus a little bit so that you're not taking on too many things at the same time. One way to do that is to journal again, like put things on paper. That's how you offload the brain. That's how you free up your mind from that cognitive load of having to think of, hold all the thoughts and ideas in your head onto paper. One of the best places to start when it comes to personal change and transformation is getting clear on your motivations. Why do you want to change in the first place? Because as it stands, if you argue with your mind, there's no reason to change. Like the mind wants to stay as it is. It seeks the comfort zone right? When we go out of the comfort zone, it goes again, the nature of the primitive brain, which is to seek pleasure, to avoid pain and to save energy. Mm-hmm. Like when we pursue goals, it's not pleasurable, it's painful, and it requires energy. <laughs> so yeah. it goes again, those primitive drives. So really very important, first get clear on why you want to change in the first place, right? And again, that brutal honesty, sometimes it will require us, you know, looking ourselves in the mirror, just like Catholics go to confession or the alcoholics and Alcoholics Anonymous, they do a fearless moral inventory. Sometimes we have to admit the exact nature of our mistakes and our wrongs and where we got things from and not like turn a blind eye and really be honest with ourselves. And that's the best place to start when it comes to personal change and transformation. Yeah, right. Or guys, if you really need someone to guide you, hire coach Chris. (laughs) Because no joke, you're able to help me in ways that maybe you don't know as well with the way I react right now. My friend saying that I have improved, which is, I think, one of the greatest ways on how I can see that I also have improved my way of reacting or my life is through the feedback of others. And yeah, I'm really happy. And guys, if you are really interested in working with Coach Chris, can you please let them know where they can find you and all the other things that you're doing? You have a podcast, you have a book that you're writing, and also your courses, one-on-one coaching. Yeah, absolutely. So people can just go to my website. That's chrisacebu.com. And they can get a guide on productivity to help them triple their productivity like very fast. Very nice guide. I love that guide. And earlier I mentioned about a guide on goal setting. So I have a guide called Goalbook. So you can go to chrisacebu.com slash goalbook. So that's a free guide on goal setting. And yeah, the podcast is also on my website. That's chrisacebu.com slash podcast. And I'm on social media, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at Chris Asebu. And if you want to hear news about the book, which is progressing very slowly (laughs) because of everything on my plate, but yeah, it's called The Productivity Blueprint. It's a system for achieving massive productivity in life and business. So 
super excited to launch that eventually. So yeah, that's where to find me. Yeah, you should follow him because his contents are really great. The contents are actually the reason why I decided to connect to him and also, you know, have him as a coach. Yeah. And thank you again, Coach Chris, for being able to hop on a, on an interview with me. I enjoyed this session. There are a lot of reminders that I think I needed this time and I'm able to learn a lot. I was able to take down notes and also there are a lot of aha moments that I'm really grateful and I'm really happy that I scheduled an interview with you. All right. Thank, thank you, so you much, guys. Kai. Thank you, coach, again. And yeah, anything else you'd like to say? I would just like to say, yeah, you're welcome. It's been such a pleasure and it's been great jamming with you and open to doing maybe in the future. We can do more interviews, whatever. Like my line is open. But yeah, other than that, super, super grateful to be here and to be able to share this message. And yeah, so, so blessed to have been able to work with you as well. And thank you. Yes. Thank you. And this ends our show, guys. I'll see you on the next episode. Again, this has been Kai, the host of the podcast show, which was produced by Podcast Media, helping you heal. People one podcast at a time. And I'll see you again in the next episode. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you need help growing and monetizing your podcast, don't forget to visit podkai.com and book a call with us. We want to know more about you.